I'm like, I couldn't get hired at this company. Uh, this I'd hire, I'd hire you. you. I'm hiring. I have you know plus seven on the PM team. I'm hoping to to fill pretty soon. Paul, <laughs> are you interested? Rich, how are you, Paul? It's nice to see you. It's been a while. I'm doing all right. <laughs> Since our meeting yeah, an been, hour ago. <laughs> Rich and I, for the context here, is that Richard and I talk about seven hours a day. I love you. I could probably make this relationship work with three hours a day. I could do it with two if we want to put a goal out there where I mean, we, we talk could, less. We could probably add some We could add some efficiency into this friendship. I think it's it's time. People at home listen to us and they get to know us through the podcast and then they reach out and sometimes they become clients. Sometimes they just send us really funny emails. And every now and then somebody says, this is interesting. Maybe I should come work there. And what I think is fascinating about that, I always, when people do that, I always like to ask them a few months later, because it's happened a couple of times, how big is the gap between the podcast listening experience and the actual on the ground, day-to-day existence of being genuinely involved with Postlight. And so that's not the only thing we're going to talk about at all, but we're very lucky to have Vicky Volvovsky. We got Vicky on the podcast. Yes. Welcome, Vicky. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Vicky is a director of product management who runs our product team. God, maybe somebody can finally tell us what product is. There's a few excellent podcasts on the topic. <laughs> Vicky, give us a quick two minute of your background and where you were recently. Yeah. So prior to joining Postlight, I was at Zapier, which is a workflow automation tool. Um, I started there when it was just a startup. I was the 30th employee. I started out in support and I helped to kind of grow from support, took over platform, and then eventually took over the entire product org through my five and a half years there. And over that five and a half years, helped grow the product and the org quite a bit. And then previous to, to Zapier, I had my own consulting business for a bit and then worked in healthcare tech and other couple random things early on in my career. So the most important thing too we've learned, we've learned a lot from Vicky since she started. The most important thing is it's not pronounced Zapier, which is what I always thought. You thought it was a French <laughs> company? <laughs> yeah, Common making mistake. my zapes. I'm putting my zapes in. Okay, so, you know, one of the things I thought we could talk about, first of all, it's good to have you on the podcast. It's good to have Postlight on the podcast. First of all, let's just address it. How different is the company from what you perceived when you were just listening to the podcast? To be honest, I think that's the part that's been the most refreshing is it's pretty, the podcast is pretty true to the internal dynamics of, uh, (laughs) of Postlight. I think you guys come off, you know, like there's a lot of personality that you uh, have in the podcast and that is very true internally. I think as I've gotten to know you guys a bit more, you know, some of the polish has come off, but I would say it's a a pretty accurate marketing Uh, of of what Postlight's all about. Uh, let's reintroduce Vicky as the vice president of product management. In <laughs> I, I don't think it could, that couldn't have gone better at like gunpoint. Like that was just, woo. Cause the, the unfortunate or fortunate thing about Richard and I is that for all of our many qualities, there really isn't another person inside here. Like it, these are the personalities you have for yeah. better or for worse. So L- let me set this up by giving a little uh, history around the conversations that we had before Vicky joined, which was conversation one was, she's very impressive. Paul, 
agreed. Yes, she is very impressive. We had a good back and forth and got to know her. And then conversation two. I'm a big Zapier fan. Big Zapier fan. A conversation two was us asking Vicky 20 different ways. Are you sure about this? (laughs) Well, and here's why. It's not because we think that we're like, horrible garbage monsters. I mean, we do sometimes, but that's that's just to keep ourselves motivated. It's because agency work, it's fast. It can be grim. It can be tough. It can be, you're working for people who are not product people who are going to look at you and go, yeah, but I want it. And we were concerned for that reason because, I, you know, and this isn't, we've had people come in from more traditional product orgs and it's a really hard transition for them. But what changed our mind is that you kept leaning in and you also were very hands-on and actually no wait you, we we didn't change our mind you actually passed <laughs> on true. us at first let's let's not flatter ourselves flatter ourselves too much but then um came back so here we are right so like first of all what what has been your impression of working in an agency where were the surprises where were the pitfalls that you weren't expecting i think for me most of the surprises or not even surprises but just kind of like having my eyes open came from a lot of the like internal dynamics in addition to you know doing the client work which is a lot of what i came here for um i was also really excited about running the pm org here but i didn't know a lot about running a pm org inside of an agency so a lot of the things i've been learning on is like how the sales process comes in. Like in the first couple of weeks when uh, our strat team was telling us, us about new potential clients, I'd like panic because on one hand, like we didn't have, I was trying to hire at the same time, but also it's so exciting. And so now like, you know, I've kind of like tempered my under, my emotional swings quite a bit because I've gotten to know kind of the ebbs and flow of the business. But that's, I think, been the biggest learning curve for me. Give us, I mean, one of the big sources of anxiety we had about you coming on to PostSlide is like, we thought you weren't going to feel like, hey, what's everybody going crazy about? Why is everyone losing their minds every day? Not that that's the case, but the visibility in an agency and the dynamism around an agency is just very different. So to contrast it, tell us what a day or a week is like. Give me a, a normal week and give me like an intense week. And I'm going to guess that intense is like right before launch week or something. At Z- How do you say it? Zapier? Zapier. Now you scramble. Zapier. <laughs> Zapier. Rhymes with happier. Zapier. Yeah. So give me, give me, give me like normal week at Zapier and give me an intense week. Yeah. So I think a normal week, I'm going to back out from a week to just kind of set the scene first. Typically how we did planning at kind of a, at a in, you know, in-house product org was we had company goals and those company goals uh, translated into some sort of OKR or way to measure that we're accomplishing that goal. And then we kind of worked our way Wait, back. What's OKR stand for? We have to show mercy to our um, objectives and key results. It's a framework for setting goals. So essentially some goal that your company is after grow your user base by X percent or grow revenue by Y percent. So high level, those like high level company objectives. And then that gets translated into, okay, what's like the product, how is product contributing to that? What does that look like? And then, you know, you keep kind of working your way down to what is this team that owns this part of the product contributing? So what we would- Keep everyone aligned, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially, you know, that's really easy when the company is 30 people, you have one meeting, you discuss it and everyone's like, cool. But once the company is 400 people, you have to kind of have some structure in place in order to be able to like enable people to make decisions on their own so that they're there's not all these like crazy approval paths um, that they have to go through. So, you know, we kind of have our, our high level goals. Everybody understands how they fit into those goals. And then the PM and, you know, their, their team with a designer and X number of engineers is really 
working on, okay, how do we contribute to meeting that goal? What are the product problems we can solve? What are the solutions to those problems? You know, kind of going through the project, like the the life cycle of building a product of research, iterating, showing stuff to users, getting validation, building it, prototyping, like iterating on that and so on and so on, building up to a bigger launch. So I guess to go back to your question of what is a typical week for a PM in inside of a product org look like, it kind of depends on what phase their project is in, but it's really about getting their hand, like talking to users and talking to their team and figuring out what is mm-hmm. it that we're shipping and kind of solving problems along the way that come up through that path. What was your cycle for key results? Like how often do you observe key results? Is it every six months? Is it every quarter? Like how often do you peek in and say, hey, we're doing good or not doing good? So we'd set company objectives on an annual basis. We'd set kind of team level objectives quarterly. And then we'd check in on a monthly basis to see how we were doing and reflect on like, okay, you know, this is what we said we were going to do. Are we on the right track? All right. That's, that sounds normal to me. It sounds like normal and healthy. Sounds like good job. You know, you collaboratively set your OKRs with your managers and you say, okay, I think we're, we're headed in this direction. And then mm-hmm. it, it sounds like a sensible way to live your life. Now you're here. You're at Postlight. Visibility went from 12 months to 12 weeks. <laughs> what jumps out at you as, a, as distinctive between the two? Well, I actually think that on the, like in the client work, like in the project work at, you know, at Zapier or in the client work here, the day to day isn't that vastly different. You're communicating a little bit differently. There's like the client services aspect of it, but like 90% of the work is the same, but as a leader in the org, like it's very different in that there's not this like grand vision that you're aligning all your different teams to. It's much more about Okay, what is the client work? Who's the team that's going to be successful in, um, you know, reaching the goal for the client? And then, how do we build a culture inside Postlight, inside the product management team at, at Postlight that connects us all together, even though we're doing completely different work on our clients? I mean, let's talk about that for a second. You get one grand objective. You say a prayer. You pledge allegiance to the objective every morning at a product company. How do you create that? connection and establish a unified culture of any sort when everybody's on different things. Some projects are going, let's say it out loud, going better than others. Some clients are much warmer than others. How do you do that? Is that one of the things you think about as a product leader? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I made the mistake when I originally came in of I was so focused on hiring and staffing side that I thought like, oh, hey, we're going to bring all these people in and it's going to happen organically. And I think you guys actually asked me a question, I don't know, a few months ago where you said, what is the PM culture? And I was like, oh, yeah, right. Like, okay, yeah. this needs this needs some thought. And so we have invested a ton in building that product culture within Postlight. And I can share a few things. It's they're going to sound all relatively silly because I think it, on kind of on the surface they are, but they help contribute to like the team feeling like a team, even when our day to day stuff doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily overlap. So a few things I actually one thing I brought over from Zapier that we used to do is an exercise we call wins and worries. So it's on a we're doing it probably every two to three weeks that. PM team on our weekly call, everybody goes quiet for a few minutes and we fill out a little coded doc that says, here's like my one big win that I'm proud of that I want to celebrate. And here's the thing I'm worried about. And then everybody takes a few minutes to hmm. read. Uh, we upvote things and then we tell, you know, we let the person who had the highest win kind of brag a little bit, share a little bit about what they accomplished. Maybe it's something they learned. Maybe it's something that, you know, a launch on their client that went really well. Are all the team members sharing their worries? 
Yeah. And so those okay. usually are the okay. most fruitful. This is not very, I mean, Paul's Irish. He's never heard of this approach to <laughs> creating teams, but uh, that I, I got to imagine some people hesitate with that. I would assume. Well, f- first of all, I think like there's a thing going on where we're moving from a very ad hoc based culture, which we've talked about this on the show before, like Rich and I have delegated a lot more. We've given up a lot of control because Mm -hmm. we want to see the firm grow sort of, you know, on its own terms. And this is a big part of that Mm -hmm. is creating these processes and systems. And it's, you know, the more, the more we're out of it, actually the better, which sometimes is hard. Sometimes I want to be the one to make the cool system. The worries aspect of it is interesting to me because I do think that's how people connect is through struggle, sharing struggle, not just high-fiving each other and feeling great. What else do you do? Yeah. Well, just to elaborate on the worries piece real quick, I think you're right that like you have to, people have to trust each other in order to be able to to share. And I always notice as new folks join the team, like the first wins and worries they sit in on the like worries blocks, I can see their cursor in it and it's blank because they're like, oh God, what do I share? But what we've cultivated in the team right. is, you know, we upvote the worries and then we let the person talk and say like, okay, what is it? Like, and the team kind of thinks about, is there anything they can do to support the person? Have they experienced something similar before where they've got advice? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we kind of, sometimes it's just, you know, like an empathetic pat on the back that they, that they end up getting sure. and we don't necessarily solve their problem, but it's usually a pretty productive exercise just to let someone talk it through. And it helps build that trust between the team members. I got to imagine, cause we, you know, our model is we ship people off to the projects. So they're kind of walled off from each other. People don't know what other people are going through or what the work even is, unless we, you know, we have demos every so often. So it's a, it's a great way to shatter that and get people to connect. It's May, 2021. We're still remote. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's meaningful here. What else, what else do you do to sort of create that connectedness? Yeah. So maybe this, this is my Zapier roots showing, but we've built a lot of bots. And again, on the surface, they're very silly, but they poke, they poke into our channel and ask questions. So Friday at the end of the week, there's always a bot that pings all the PMs and say, Hey, what's your, you know, what's your weekend plan? And also like one asks one silly question from, I think it's from some kids game and it always starts a pretty good conversation. So one of the, I think one of the questions that asked recently was what's your favorite game to play outside with friends, which turned into a debate of whether having cocktails in your backyard is a sport in which case, or is a game in which case that is our, the PM team's favorite game. Uh, but it helps, <laughs> helps kind of build some funny connections where you learn something new about your coworkers. And there's always one person that like rejects the premise of the question. And, you know, that's, you know, when it's your turn to reject <laughs> the premise of the question, uh, that's, that's a good sign too. Early days, you're hiring pretty quickly right now. Does it work? Does the hiring work or does the does the team building pieces work? Does the team building pieces work? Like are obviously it's it's a work in progress. Sure. I mean, it's early days, but I guess this has been a tornado of a business for us for the first five years. We didn't do stuff like this. You're making Paul and I look really bad right now on this podcast. It's just worth saying that. Which is that great. Out loud. Which, great. Is great. Which is great. That's why I came. This is my long con all along. Uh, it's it's fantastic, right? Like this is like I just I'll share something personal, which is I thought before I started Postlate 
that I'd be more of a mentoring type leader. I had this self-portrayal of myself where I was like, I was going to listen and help and be thoughtful. Turns out what I'm actually good at is sales and kind of broadcasting. I'm good talking to thousands of people and much less good talking to one person. Like it just (laughs) turns out that's not the strength we thought it was, right? And so there's a point where you just go like, okay, I can fight that and try to become something else or I'm just not going to. And so like it's, it's actually very wonderful that we're starting to fill that in and that people who are good at those kind of communications and, and are concerned and are, are connected are, are showing up. And with that comes process and named approaches and things like that, which I used to roll my eyes. And now I'm like, that sounds great. I want to hear more. We're also growing, right? I mean, I think Vicky doesn't have the small company biases that we do because she wasn't there the for greatest- the 25 and just hacking it together and Let's all go get lunch. We're only 18 people or whatever it is. Like that, those days are gone. I mean, gone. the greatest risk that you and I bring to the organization, right, is that we just assume that it can, it, it came out of our brains at some level. And so we assume that it can kind of go away at any moment too. It never feels as solid to us as it might to somebody else. And I think like learning to respect and listen to that as opposed to being like post light, I created post light which is the worst way to be. I've worked for those bosses. It's something we're figuring out how to do. What's been the hardest aspect of transitioning to an agency? Hmm. I think, and this is somewhat related to the, what makes a good PM question, I think between the two companies or the two types of the roles. For me, it's like getting back my client services, uh, like building that muscle back up. It's something I did early in my career and um, then took a long pause. And so it's not so much that it's been like hard. It's just that like, it took a minute to put on the client face and reorient. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I wanted to get back to a question you actually asked earlier, Richard, which was what makes a great PM at a classic product org versus what makes a great PM at a client service agency or option C, which is a great PM is a great PM. True. No matter where you put it. There's that too. Yeah. So I've thought a lot about this because I get asked this a lot during interviews. And I would say 90% of the skill set is the same. Like ultimately, you have to be a good strategic thinker. You have to be able to lead a team to deliver a product. You have to be a good communicator, good collaborator with your team, et cetera, et cetera. So 90% the same. Here's where I see the biggest differences. First is around how much ambiguity and how much, like what you use to make decisions, essentially. In-house, you have kind of usually the keys to everything, right? You've got your decision science team and data team, and you've got all of your UX researchers, and you kind of have all of the information in order to make decisions. And here, it really depends on the client, right? And so some clients might give you access to everything. Others might answer the questions you ask them. And then the third kind are a little bit cagier and they aren't going to give you as much information. And so like a really solid PM de-risks the most important thing and then makes a decision and moves on. And I just think the level of information that you have about the decisions you're making is different. So that's number one. Number two is the client services aspect. And I've actually experienced this with a few of my projects here, which is, you know, as a product manager, you're thinking about the end user and the goals that you set for the project and what are the right decisions to make in order to be successful there. And sometimes you have to take off your product manager hat after you've given that advice and say like, okay, like I gave you my best product advice. You for whatever reasons are choosing the, another path, like this is where client services comes in and you're like, all right, cool. Like, let's figure out how to make that path successful because ultimately it's your product. What do you tell a product manager who knows they've been told to do the wrong thing? 
So I think the first thing I would ask is, do they feel like they communicated the, you know, the best advice and they shared the trade-offs that the, that like, does the client understand the decision that they're making essentially? So, you know, if there's two paths, we're recommending path A, here's the trade-offs we're making with that. Here's why we recommend it. Um, and here's the same things for path B. So did they communicate it? If so, and the client still chose whatever, like try to understand the reason why, and then figure out how to make that thing successful, right? Like ultimately mm. clients are making decisions with their business in mind. And so yeah. we should try to figure out how to work with that. And it's okay if it can be frustrating, but they did their job if they gave them the best product advice that they could mm-hmm. um, and then moved on. It's worth pointing out that's not a purely agency dynamic. No. You could have an ill-informed decision maker who's making a call that in your heart of hearts don't believe is the right one. Yeah. That happens in big companies. It actually often happens. Actually, it's a great source of our opportunity. Postlight <laughs> is a, some bad decisions that got made three years ago. So we're coming in to like do it right or clean it up or whatever it may be. So it's not uncommon. I, I don't want to, I don't want this to be pegged as an agency thing. No. Right? And it's also, there's very few, like there's very few problems or I guess decisions that you're making that are like truly one way doors, right? Like a lot of times you're saying path A is the right path, but honestly, like you'll get, it's fine. And so you can still like, unless it feels like a truly, this is an existential crisis for the organization. If they make that decision, like, cool, give it the time it needs based on how big it is and then move on. You know, I think the agency demands more of the human management aspect of it, the people management aspect of it, but also I I think an unusual amount of, of flexibility to hear things out, know that, you know, the only way we're going to get them there is if they see why this is a bad call. So we're going to prototype it for Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks and then hopefully they'll see it because I couldn't convince them with words. That kind of flexibility, that kind of sort of longer game thinking can be frustrating, but actually is a hell of a skill to learn. Absolutely. You know, it is a powerful skill to have. Tailoring your message to the audience. I think that's the other big difference, right? Like in-house, you're, you know who you're talking to. You're all on the same team. You work for the mm-hmm. same company in an agency setting. Maybe you're talking to a product uh, person on the other side. Maybe you're talking to a, a marketing person. Maybe you're talking to a founder that has no idea how anything gets built, like no, no idea how the product world works. This is the thing. It's, It's good entrepreneurial training, but not in the way that people think. I mean, I think what people think is I'm going to come work on a whole lot of projects and I'm going to get really good. And there's truth in that, right? Like I'm going to touch a lot of stuff and figure out how it all works. And I'll see a lot of different technologies and different industries. And maybe that'll help me shape a startup or that'll help me build my career. People come to agencies to build careers. But the thing you actually learn, I think, especially in product, is how to advocate and present what you do in such a way that almost anybody can understand it. And it turns out to be really, really hard. And it turns out that you learn as much about institutional dynamics and patterns as you do about sort of technology and, and sort of product driven patterns. And and like that is hard fought knowledge. It's a tough one to communicate to people. Cause I don't think unless you've had that experience where you're like, I did the right thing and no one could understand what I was doing. And then they went, with some weird other third party thing. And now it's all broken. And I told them, but no one listened. Unless you've had that feeling in your life, it's very hard to get motivated to, to like go in this direction. To me, I look at agencies as like, once they've burned all the other money, they come to us. <laughs> and then you go, okay, let's not burn any more money. We, we should stop that. I bet we can fix this for you if you let me talk to some people. And it turns out you can. Like yeah. about 
a lot of the time you can. But that, that is a specific thing you have to love in your life. I always think of the agency as the meeting place where I can have the MTA and the giant institutional bank and sort of everybody comes to the office. And uh, I love that about it, but it is actually a little bit of a hard sell. It turns out that not everybody is as excited about that as I am. Paul, we made that terrible mistake and assumed everyone has their exact same worldview of product management as we do, which... Product management is in draft form as an as a profession to this day. I feel like in a lot of ways there was a day. So I quit. I quit a job. I got a new job. I was I was consulting, and all of a sudden everybody's like product managers. Like one day, it's about ten years ago. And I was like, <laughs> they how just did that up. I'm like, you said you were a webmaster six months ago. Like, no, 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 I'm a product manager. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is happening, man? Because I'd been away at a magazine. Nobody was talking to me about anything. And turns yeah. out I was a product manager. Turns out. Uh, everybody was. So anyway, it's a funny it, it's a funny career because on the West Coast, it actually has a little bit more lock-in. The sort of the biggest companies, starting with Microsoft, really created it as a discipline. Yeah. Uh, but once you get back here to the East Coast, it's a real mix as to what that job is. We're recruiting, in fact, and we look at resumes and, and we have outside firms that try to help us. And because there isn't a, a sort of globally understood definition of what the job is, you have to just do the work of going through the right. Because a lot of product managers, most of their job is actually on the product performance side after it's out in the world. And they're just looking at metrics and turning knobs. Like I brought costs down and whatnot. That's actually post-launch, which, and then there's the product marketing angle of it, which is a whole, uh, these are professions, frankly, under the product management umbrella. So I guess to take it to a question, are the traits you look for at Zapier different than the traits you look for at the agency? And also, what are the traits? Like, what are the traits? They're like, ah, I want to meet this person. What What are those traits, Vicky? And are they different? Do you have a different lens that you apply now? Yeah. So this was actually one of the first things that I did when I came here because we needed to hire so badly. So I asked like, what are, like, what makes a PM successful at Postlight? And I talked to a bunch of people in the org and got vastly different answers. And so kind of started taking that information. <laughs> and <laughs> We've really got our shit together at Postlight, man. Oh, what a, what a great indicator that always is when you get the five different stories and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, no, I mean, but it was, it was an enlightening conversation with, you know, as I said, like a group of people from across the entire organization. And I started asking more and more questions and kind of boiled it down to six competencies that we now screen for, you know, do interview for, um, and then evaluate performance on. That's strategic thinking. It's execution. So actually getting the work done. It's um, stakeholder management, which is, you know, like, can you build that relationship? Can you make sure that the relationship is healthy? Can you make it win-win? And then the softer skills of like communication, collaboration, and then growth mindset, which is also super, super important for PMs at Postlight. So those are the six things that we look for. And and do you have to check all those boxes? I, I find that- I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of my children and I have twins. <laughs> I spend a lot of time hiring here. I, that's basically what I've been doing Woo. for you most of the four and a half months that I've been here. I know, I know. It's It's been great. <laughs> I already <laughs> forgot items four, five, right, and Rich, six, you were, you were saying something. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, you get that moment where you're like, oh, okay, the, I, I see inside the brain a little bit. And as those six just spun off, I'm like, okay, all right, good. Uh, we're done. I'm fine. I'm going to take a nap. Nobody's hitting it nine out of ten on all those metrics. There's no way, right? Like, I mean, they're out there. They're jewels if you find them. Sure. But I guess 
Help me think about that aspect of it. I mean, you know, how you say, oh, you know, weak on two and three, but really strong on one, five, and six. Let's give it a go. Like, you know. Thought a lot about this as well. So I think there's some like uh, kind of just table stakes things, right? Like you have to be a solid communicator and you have to be a good T player collaborator. Like those are table stakes. If you don't have those, then it doesn't matter how smart you are, how good Mm. you, how good of a strategic thinker you are, et cetera, et cetera. So table stakes. I think where you get, start to get the balance of like some PMs are really, really strong executors. Like once the work has shape, they can take something incredibly complicated with Mm. multiple streams of work, multiple huge teams, and they will execute it flawlessly. That's super valuable. You've got other people that are going to be stronger on the like, here's a lot of ambiguity and you have to give it that shape more this the earlier phases strategic thinking. Both are valuable. And as long as we feel like you are strong in you know, one of those and you have kind of the raw material for the other, we can figure out how to support you and we can figure out how to staff mm. a team around you know, your strengths. So you're right. I think it's, it's a lot to ask somebody to be able to do all aspects of a product manager's job flawlessly. But I think the core, those kind of like core skills, um, we can play with different flavors of it. I, I think this is what makes it so tricky as a as a, a profession to hire for. I mean, the truth is if someone is just blowing us away on any aspect of those things, we may lean in and, and just say, you know what, we'll help them grow the other bits, but we'll take it. You know, the analogy I like to use is baseball an analogy, right? You want fast, you want speed at the top of the lineup because they got to keep running around the bases. You want power later. So you have complementary skills. I think recruiting here, it isn't about a one-dimensional sort of like PM, 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 PM type hire. It's more of a, okay, I'm short on strategy. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of executors. I need more of that. And then it's a matter of helping those people connect with each other and teach each other. Totally. Yeah. And it's also, you know, the diversity of the backgrounds people come from too, like the industries that they come from. We're thinking a lot around how do we build out the team to have, you know, to be able to have a lot of coverage across the board. Going back to a previous question you had asked, which is like, what what are some of the activities I'm doing to build culture on the team? And one of the things we did was like, just a quick, like everybody write down, it's a free for all, write down all the things you're an expert in. And then people kind of like add themselves like, oh, I'm also an expert in this, but I'm, or I'm interested in this other thing. And now we have this like kind of messy, but kind mm. of, but really useful raw database of the things people are experts in and, and what they're interested in. And it's amazing. The list is like 80 lines long, right? And it's tools, it's <laughs> industries, it's topics, it's PM right, concepts. Right. It's super valuable. But that diversity, I think, of the team is really important, especially in an agency setting. I, I got to say, Paul, this podcast has highlighted how badly we've fallen short as leaders cultivating culture at Postlight. Well, yes. <laughs> what else can you say? <laughs> no, I, I think um, a lot of a lot of the advice here and a lot of the, the, the tools you're using, frankly, are universal. I mm-hmm. think they apply in other disciplines and other professions in terms of connecting people, in terms of getting people to open up and sort of share what the skills they're proud of, the struggles they're going through. These are these are things that probably cultivate culture regardless of profession uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so it's worth saying that out loud. Paul, you're smiling you at would, me as I talk to you. I'm Nobody can see there's that. A, there's a wonderful indicator here that I'm, I'm really enjoying, which is about... A year and a half, two years ago, you and I sat in a room and we instituted some standards for quality. We called it 
core, Q-O-R-E, quality, opportunity, uh, risk and relationships, and efficiency, four axes and criteria for how we evaluate an ongoing project. Because we needed a way to say this is going well or this is not. Like it was that simple. Yeah. And we needed to be able to do that across 20, 30 projects at once because we couldn't, literally, you can't hold things in your head anymore. And so at that point, we sort of set into motion the idea that Postlight would really be committed to quality every week. We mm. would dedicate a lot of our times to ensuring quality across the org. And really, what I think is happening, I'm, I'm watching it as I'm listening to Vicky, I'm, I'm feeling that that culture and that identity for the firm is starting to take new shapes inside of the company that we would never have predicted, right? Like it's, Hey, these are the standards for product. We have to meet them. We have to be flexible. A lot of times what we think about is like, poof, boy, this is a hard job. Sometimes you have to talk to people who may not know what the hell you're talking about and you have to tell them about your job and they, they don't even know what you're saying. Right. And that is actually like, that's hard. And I think I, I dwell on that part, but in the meantime, things keep moving forward, even if we're not involved. So it's very exciting. Vicky, great opportunity for you in all seriousness. Okay, you listen to the podcast. You've been here four months. What feedback do you have for Richard and me? Oh, God, I have to do it live? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's uh, uh, come on, give the listeners a little something. What, what could we have done better? I think I've actually shared this feedback with you, which is there is, I think you guys have so much history and context um, about the business in your heads. And I think that you know, the company is growing so quickly and you set a bar for the quality of the work and the quality of the talent, but down, being able to download a lot of that context from you all, um, I think is something that's so valuable to the firm. I think the podcast is great. I think people get a lot from that. I think there's just more that we can do internally. And, you know, we put some things into motion that I think help with that already, like doing versions of fireside chats where people get to ask questions around, you know, what are you guys thinking about all day? What do you see as the future of this company? I think you take for granted how much people care to hear that stuff. And so that's my feedback to you is share it and share it wider internally. Yeah. It's a, it's good feedback. You know, it surprised us. We found out that a lot of the people at Postlight, a lot of the employees at Postlight listen to the podcast as like a way to connect with us. Like we didn't connect the dots. We thought well, the podcast with the was firm, pure Not marketing. even just with you and me, but just to kind of understand what's, you know, where things are going. That is very, very well taken. I think that's real. I think, you know, for us, there's this sense of, especially early days, a lot of people came to us and were like, thanks, please continue to sell the services, but let's let's not get in our way, okay? We're going to build our engineering and our product and our design. We're going to build those teams and, y- you know, you guys build the business, we'll build the teams and here we go. And I, that actually worked out really, really well. Well, I think that's still, so that still works. I think that the part, like, I I mean, I want your input, obviously. I want your opinions on the product org, but I want, I want to build that. I don't need you to tell me how to, you know, do my day-to-day job. What I need you to do is tell me about the future of the business so that I can build the right product team. The objectives part. Yeah. This all used to be kind of in one blob. And it was kind of, we could take it for granted that that we were all Mm -hmm. aligned because the firm, yes, there were disciplines, but we were often in this exact same room. We're just kind of talking continually. And so culture could be taken for granted. And that has been a recurring lesson for me. Over and over, I learned that people don't know internally about our hiring practices. They don't know about different social commitments we've made in the firm or things that we're doing out in the world or internally to try to make the place like a better, fair, good place that everyone feels great about. And it's like, but no one would know because we don't tell them. 
right? And well, so or, it's or just we like, did tell them a year I, ago, and you know we've since hired eighteen people, and a few have left, and they don't know about the thing we told everyone a year ago or whatever it is. So what happens is people fill the vacuum with their perception of business and of how companies work, sure, that they get from the rest of the world, and so you actually like. You know, one of the things I've been thinking is, do I read um, one section of the charter during every all-hands meeting so that we get through it? There's about five, 6,000 sections <laughs> in the charter, I, I know, because I drafted it. And, uh, you know, so that we get through it once a year and just kind of like, you know, just remind people that of the values of the place. And as I've been looking at more and more how other people lead out in the world, starting with values before you get to, here's what we're working mm-hmm. on and here's what success is, but actually like, over and over saying the values and telling the history of the place is really valuable. And I actually just, I always think like, I don't want to bore them with that, but I I think it's, we're hitting a scale where it's completely necessary. It is. And what you'll find, I think if done well, is that you start to hear that echoed back at you, right? Like I think rather than it coming from you, once it gets internalized into the org, then you don't have to be the messenger anymore. It's like, you've got the employee A telling employee B and that, that to me is like when that really takes off. You know what I love? Richard, I don't know if you heard it there, but the, in the in, I think what you'll find, said Vicky, if done well, <laughs> just pure product manager yeah. right there. You're like just like, yeah. yeah, you know that's a great idea if Pro the tip. execution is effective, <laughs> right? And yeah. that was that was just a flawless PM moment. Like Paul, it turns out this has all been one big dirty trick. Uh, this is a job ad for Postlight. This entire oh my god, podcast. are we back to marketing? I'm hiring. I am hiring many, many. Vicky's hiring. hiring. That's right. <laughs> yes. We're going to have Vicky on other times. This is not the only time that she's coming on here to, to advertise for Absolutely. jobs. So you yes, haven't yes. been purely marketed to. We're we're making sure I that other call it marketing. Are, are. Let's call it recruiting. It's not marketing, man. Hell yeah. Though we do have a great looking website with a lot of great case studies and you can reach us at hello at postlight.com. But that's not the point of this podcast. Vicky, what are you looking for? So I am looking for uh, a variety of different PMs who are interested in working with big, interesting clients, solving big platform and product problems, who like leading teams, who are interested in all the remote culture, or all the PM culture uh, things that we talked about here, who want to grow their careers um, as a product manager. And yeah, that's a big list of things that we're looking for. Experience level? Any? Right now, we're we're leaning into some of the more senior and lead roles, but we're always interested in um, candidates earlier in their career as well. So um, we've got, I think, all three job posts up, and we're just constantly we're we're very fast. A candidate told me yesterday that they were impressed with how quickly we got through like three steps right. of the recruiting funnel. So we respond quickly, and we'd love to chat. We work hard on those processes. That is, we have a good, dedicated HR. Our HR team, like we've we've always, and each of the disciplines. What's the URL, Paul? Oh, oh, Rich. Oh my God. HTTPS <laughs> colon forward slash forward slash because it's secure. Postlight.com slash careers. That's C-A-R-E-E-R-S. Nice. Hit that site. You can even go to Postlight. You can type in Postlight in your browser, go to our website and hit the little button that says careers, a little bit of text on the top. So you don't, yep. you don't have to remember that whole URL. You just have to remember one word and that word is Postlight. Well done, Paul. Vicky, this has been great. Actually, you gave a lot of good universal advice for managing people. Well, now that we know the six things that make a good product manager, there's like 8 million pieces of content that are coming out of my brain. Like, okay, well, each one of those needs, you know. I got, I got you. Yeah. Vicky doesn't know it. She's uh, been recruited to write 
five articles for uh, Postlight's uh, insights. See, here's uh, what I think. Here's what I think about Vicky. I think Vicky is actually smart, and I think what she's going to do is just get six product numbers <laughs> to each write one of those, right? <laughs> because she's smart, unlike you and me, who are like, "Oh, guess gotta we got to make the content." <laughs> yep. No, no. That's I. I get that sense. She's, Delegation turns out it's a skill. Um, one day I'm going to learn it. Vicky, this was great. Thank you for your experience, wisdom, and observations about product in general and Postlight in particular. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast, and thanks for hiring me four and a half months ago. Oh, that's nice. We You're don't get that. Smart. We don't. Most people don't thank us for hiring them. That <laughs> they <great>. don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, this is really good, and it's it's been really fun to watch you in the last, you know, almost five months. Because you came in, you're like, I got it, and we're like, you do, but hold on, it's a little different. And then it was like, it, literally like a two-week process, and your brain went, Burp, and you were like, okay, now I do have it. And it was really yeah. awesome to see. Thank you. So she had fresh perspective, like we're, we're biased, and it's been helpful to see it, so. It's funny how valuable it is to, to just get that perception because we live in our own little world like postlate is incredibly real to us and it's what we do all day and it turns out that for most of the world yeah it's a company it is what it is so it's very good to to, to learn about the outside world well anyway if you want to come work for vicky she's a she's a good boss takes you seriously puts her on a career path you get in touch if you want us anything at all hello at postlight.com have a lovely week. Vicky, thank you again for doing this. Go this was great. dust up your resume <laughs> if you want to get a job as a product manager. That's for sure. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.